0: is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network.
2: G'day everyone and welcome to On The Grid, your weekly fix of motorsport with a down-under perspective. Each week we'll talk to the leading lights of Aussie motorsport, unpick the key issues, discuss the trending topics and have some fun along the way. From supercars to the Bathurst 12-hour and everything in between, and I mean everything, this is On The Grid. Now, here's the show's host with the most... Tony
3: Good G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid. Thank you for joining us again this week. Another big week coming up with supercars down in Tasmania. It is the Tasmanian Supersprint at Simmons Plains. We'll have a good chat about that with Mark Walker and Richard Crowell a little bit later on. And we'll also catch up with Dave Reynolds. Of course, he's part of Kelly Grove Racing. Find out how he thinks his season's gone so far and how they're going to rectify what hasn't been probably the most successful start to the year for them down in Tassie. Plenty of news, though, coming around in the world of motorsport and, of course, another Grand Prix, the second Grand Prix of the year coming up for 2021. And to cover all the action for us, we say a very good day
0: to Dale Rogers. day, Dale. How are you? Thank you, Tony. Round two of the FIA... 2021 World Formula 1 Championship takes place this weekend back in Europe as the cars head to the Imola track in San Marino. A track that is steeped in history and indeed tragedy. Uh, It's hard to believe that it's 27 years since that fateful Grand Prix in May the 1st 1994, uh, which just saw so much carnage and of course the loss of life of uh, Roland Ratzenberger and Ayrton Senna. It started off that weekend with a massive crash for Rubens Barrichello in the Sassol Jordan at nearly 225 k's. Uh, survived a, a massive impact uh, there. Then, of course, on Saturday during qualifying, uh, second qualifying, uh, Roland Ratzenberger lost his life in the Simtek F1. And uh, not to, on to Sunday, of course, there was a, a, a massive pr- uh, crash at the start of the race with, involving Pedro Lamy and JJ Leto, which put the field behind the safety car. And then on lap seven, Ed uh, Senna uh, left the track at the Tamburello and uh, lost his life in a tragic accident. But we move ahead, and obviously the safety and change to this track and, the fact, the safety to Formula 1 brings us to where we are today. Uh, and we must look at the season at hand, and it was a brilliant race in Bahrain just a couple of weeks back uh, that really bore out the promise that Red Bull Honda had shown in testing, that they were potentially the quickest car. Lewis Hamilton drove a brilliant race uh, and and battled it out on on strategy with Max right to the end. Max had to, of course, give the position back uh, to Hamilton, just could not catch him in the end. But a stunning race, and we're hoping these two continue this battle this weekend. A couple of things to watch out for, Tony. Um, Sergio Perez uh, had a difficult race uh, in Bahrain, started from the pit lane, but drove up to fifth. Uh, I think the the this really now is we need to see whether Perez can actually take the pace up to to Verstappen and be a real challenger to that Mercedes Red Bull battle. Uh, for McLaren, uh, good results, really the, uh, a, a strong fourth place from Lando Norris And Ricardo. although the media seemed to give him a belting around the ears That Norris had beaten him, drove uh, to seventh place in a, in a wounded McLaren With the, uh, the floors broken after he was hit by Pierre Gasly in the AlphaTauri uh, So the McLaren boys looking strong also, as are the AlphaTauri drivers Who had a pretty miserable time in Bahrain, but certainly have a quick car underneath them So that's another one that we need to watch out for the um, of interest, I think, to to really to see where things are at with Formula One at the moment, Tony, is the the two teams that that I think uh, Aston Martin and Ferrari. Um, uh, Charles Leclerc drove a brilliant race in um, uh, in Bahrain. Uh, Perez uh, did have some. Oh, sorry, uh, uh, Carlos Sainz did have some issues with his car, but. Uh, uh, certainly Charles Leclerc did, really drove particularly well and probably a little bit uh, better than the Ferrari was, but nonetheless he was in the mix. So I think that being uh, in Italy, of course, the fans are going to be out and forced to see whether the uh, the Scarlet Ferraris or the Scarlet and Green Ferraris this year can actually do the job. So a lot of eyes on them. The other team I think we've got to really keep an eye on, Tony, is the Aston Martin team. Um, in in 2020, it was a replica of the 2019 mercedes it appears now that they might have built their own car, um, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course, uh, but the, the Aston Martins certainly did not look uh, as though they had the pace of their predecessor in the 2020 season. Uh, Vettel struggling in the car, um, and Lance Stroll you know, obviously picked up a point, but uh, I think those two teams are the ones to keep an eye on. Great midfield battle as well towards the back. Uh, Don't forget George Russell uh, will be looking for a result here after spearing off in this race last year while leading the pack under safety car, um, putting his right foot a little bit too hard on the accelerator on the downhill run um, and uh, into the Aqua Minerale and then uh, fenced it. So uh, we'd we'd love to see, I think, Williams snag a point here if they can. So fascinating race. Bahrain has set up a great season. Uh, We hope it continues. And uh, we'll be back next week with a full wrap of the uh, San Marino uh, Grand Prix from Italy. Back to you in the studio, Tony.
3: Time to look at other news. And in supercars, the crowd capacity for the weekend's Tasmanian Supersprint has been revealed. The Chief Operating Officer for Supercars, Shane Edwards, says they're expecting approximately 10,000 fans per day down in Launceston. That'll be fantastic. If they get it, Supercars has launched also a market tender for the spare racing entitlement contracts or the RECs, which could see the grid expand to 26 full-time entries from 2022. The championship contingent has been stable at 24 entries for the past three years. Teams have until 5 o'clock next Friday to express their interest with the winning bidders expected to be announced next month. Gary Rogers Motorsport declaring it will not return to Supercars for the first Gen 3 season and take one of those available wrecks. Lastly, though, in Supercars News, uh, Motorsport Australia has announced on Friday last week that Jordan Boys has been stripped of his maiden Super 2 win. The decision comes after his Wilkinshaw Andretti United car was found to have an engine breach at Mount Panorama. Earlier this year, the V8 engine was removed from the car for a routine check, which upon it was realised, it did not comply with the engine specification document. The win has been handed to Matthew Williams... uh, to driver Tyler Everingham. The win has been handed to Tyler Everingham. In MotoGP news, United Nations have condemned the site of the new MotoGP venue in Indonesia. The United Nations says human rights violations have taken place at a $3 billion tourism site where MotoGP is set to race in 2022. In a report released on March the 31st, human rights experts said the site on the land of Lombok was home to aggressive land grabs, forced evictions of indigenous people and intimidation and threats against human rights defenders. Mark Marquez has finally been cleared to race in MotoGP again. The Spaniard will race in Portimao this weekend, making his return to the competition for the first time in almost a year. And Australian Jack Miller underwent successful arm surgery last week in Barcelona after suffering an arm pump during the Doha Grand Prix. The issue occurred early in the 22-lap race at La Salle and Miller signalled plans to undergo surgery following the race. If his recovery remains on track, he'll be able to race this weekend even if he's not 100%. Recovered. All right. Joining me as he always does, Richard Crowell from the racetalk.com.
2: Hello, Richard. how are you? Welcome back.
3: Oh, it's great to be back, mate. Had a beautiful time down in Tassie last week. Uh, the only thing was I was probably a week early. I should yeah, have been. And then this
2: one. I and went a week early to a supercars round. But uh, no, nice part of the world to go and visit. And thoroughly looking forward to this weekend. The Tassie Super Sprint should be a belter. It's a cracking little racetrack always puts on some great supercars racing, and I'm sure this weekend will be no different.
3: Yeah, and I know that one guy that's going to head down there very, very shortly, might even be tomorrow or Thursday, is, of course, the uh, lead driver for Penrite Racing, and Steve Reynolds, and he joins us on the line for a chat. Hello, David.
1: Hey, boys, how are you going? Thanks for
3: having me. Uh, thank you for coming on board. Uh, we always appreciate it. My friend, uh, Tassie, tell us about it. A favourite track?
1: Oh yeah, let's just say it's in the top fifteen. I suppose we go to <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like it's it's a funny track because it looks really simple, but it's actually produces some really good racing, and it makes makes qualifying like just difficult because it's very 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 tight. The grid it's you know it's separated by literally nothing of a second so. You know, if you're on the wrong side of the hundredth or the tenth or whatever whatever it is comes down to, you can you can be either mid pack or on the front row. It's it's that close. It's
2: one of those tracks, Dave, where getting a lap in quality can be difficult too, because you get guys rolling out of pit lane slowly, but because it's a 55 second lap, you're approaching them at warp speed, and it can often make that uh, that overlap a bit challenging as well.
1: Yeah, it is, it is difficult. Um, like everyone, especially in qualifying, everyone sort of, sort of rolls around and tries to get a toe. and it depends on which way the wind goes. It can make a really big difference to your day. Mm. So, you know, the the car at the front could be, you know, there's someone at the front of the queue trying to take the pain and there's everyone behind it trying to squabble over position. But then, you know, the car at the front's obviously got clean air. But ultimately, it doesn't go as fast, but everyone behind it, could end up stuffing himself over by trying to get track position and, and ruining their um, qualifying session that way. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things to think about in that short session. It's not a standard, you know, go out there, fastest car wins, the type of thing. It's all, there's a lot of um, games that get played in quali.
3: With the uh, divided groups, the group A and group B for qualifying, you a fan of that?
1: <clears throat> uh, oh, yeah, yes and no. Like, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I don't. Um, I think the first, am I right by saying the first after the first qualifying session they only get rid of four cars, which really doesn't yeah. seem all that much point to do. Mm. Um, and then they then they discount ten cars after that. Then they have the you know the effectively the, the fastest ten cars on the track. Um, it's good, but I think they need to cut more cars off out of the first session um, if they you know want to take it more seriously. I think because yeah. I don't know. That's just my part take on it. I'm not sure about you guys. You guys probably have your own opinion
2: of it. Yeah. Dropping four cars seems a bit meaningless. It doesn't, yep. doesn't, especially in a 52nd lap, It just it still looks exactly yeah. the same on TV. There's still the same density really out there. So, and the field's so exactly. closely packed. It's not like you're dropping someone two seconds off the field out of the way. Like there, everyone's going about the same lap time. So um, it's yep. so competitive. Um, how do you sum up your year so far, mate? Like first two rounds, you've sort of been back half of the top ten, you know, top half of the top twenty, I suppose, and then a really, really good podium in those atrocious conditions at Sandown. So, how do you assess your first rounds with Kelly Grove and the Penrite car um, after Sandown?
1: Yeah, man, our first couple of rounds have been, uh, you know, quite positive. Like when I went at the start of the year, we said. In the very first round, we're going to be between that, you know, that eight to fourteen sort of mark, and we kind of were smack bang right in there. <laughs> and we've made a couple of parts to our car, and we turned up at Sandown. We were a little bit faster, we qualified a little bit better. Mm. Um, that sort of gave us the next sort of spot from that sort of six to ten sort of region. But in, in the wet, you know, the wets are one of those. Anytime there's a wet race, on it's always Kind of strange how it sort of unfolds, but you know we got. I reckon you know if I didn't have those parts in the car um, that we made between Bathurst and Sandown, there's absolutely no way I was on the podium at at um Sandown. Really? So you know it's a huge credit. Yeah, 100% made. Well, everything we we changed in the front of the car was to just give it more feel and and like I suppose you know yeah. driver feel and feedback from the front tire, and, and and you need a lot of that in the wet. Let alone in the driver, you need a lot of that in the wet so
0: mm.
1: you know just to have feel in in the wet is you know it's paramount for a driver so if we didn't have that there's absolutely no chance I would have been on the on on a, on a podium spot. Wow uh, so, that... yeah, so it's going really it's going really good things like everyone's really positive you know they're making new parts, trying things and that's at the end of the day that's what you want as a race car driver you want to see the boys making new parts come with up new ideas and trying trying things week in week out because you don't get a lot of testing in this sport. So, mm. you know, it's all about you know, how many ideas and different things can you check at it at one weekend and sort of evaluate it.
2: What, what, just going back to, to you talking about the front end of the car, is that something you were chasing in particular or was it something the team was already working on given the fact these cars are still basically brand new after, after being charged into service last year? Was was it something you identified when you first drove the car going, right, this is something we need to fix? Or were the team already aware of it and working on that problem?
1: Uh, no, 100%. When I first got there, you know, I drove the car and said, okay, this is this is how I feel. This is what I think it needs. Da, 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 da. Like I wrote a big list for them. And we're just trying to get through them and pick them off, you know, bit by bit. And, you know, the big, big item that was easy to move was, you know... Um, the front end feel, which was you know they did a a big analysis on it and they found probably a few things they could improve on it um Andre was talking about that in the past but Mm. um you know I think you know when you have a, a new set of eyes come in and repeat the same message it sort of gives it more gives it more validity I think yeah so that was like a big course of action they went okay this is what we need to do and they went and did it, but there's there's still more things. There's still heaps of things we can we can improve on.
3: Really important for a team to have both drivers sort of on the same page, in regards to the feedback that they're sort of giving back to the engineers. It seems like you and Andre have hit uh, it off really well from day one.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, exactly, man. Um, you know, Andre and I have a pretty good relationship. Um, he's been a mate of mine for many years. He's been a teammate of mine before, so you know I know him quite. Intricately, I'd like to say. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's a really good character, good kid. You know, works really hard, tries hard, um, and he's you know got some ability, which is which is great. You um, know, I, I enjoy enjoyed being next to him because he does some strange shit from time to time, which I laugh like at.
2: How's um, it, it? It must have been a full-on year for you, Dave, and, and we'll talk about your TV career in a minute. But you, you've had. A... <laughs> You've
1: had I a kid. I
2: don't know if it was it wasn't that much of a career. <laughs> no, on. Don't don't use past tense, mate. You're locked in for the year. Um you have you've, you've you've started your family, you've changed teams, you're in a whole new environment at home and at work. So how's that process been for you? Sort of getting your head around quite substantial changes to your life, not just your your professional life, but your your personal one as well? Good
1: good question, Crowsey. Um, yes. It's been a very, very different year for myself. Um, if you said, you know, at the start of last year, if you said you driving of a different team and have a baby, I would have just laughed and said that's in another world and that's not <laughs> going to be possible for someone that doesn't like change and loves, you know, all things to be the same. You know, I'm a, quite a creature of habit type person. So, you know, for me, it's been very, very different um, in the racing side of it and at home as well with the kids that, you know I've, I've been a been a parent. I love it. He's I just can't say I just can't. It's just unbelievable. It's so much fun um to see all my all my family so happy mm. and my girlfriend as well so happy. It's nothing there's yeah, it's a, honestly the best thing I've ever done in my life. Better than winning 10 baths Wow. Baptist. There you go.
3: Awesome. Tell us about little Ryu Is he is he a, is he a
1: good Rye, sleeper? Yeah, is right. a very, very good kid. My my mum comments on how much better of a kid he was than I was when I was that age. Like, oh, apparently, not, I was whinging all the time. and Not too hard, I'm tipping. Very unsettled. Very, very... Yeah, mate, he's a very good kid. We've <laughs> been very blessed to have such a good kid. But, like, I, I made my missus, like, eat all the right food, do all the right things. I read all the books before, her, heard before she did. I did all the research and was trying to tell her what to do to have a, you know, a smarter, happier, healthy baby. So... And I think it worked.
3: Now, the, uh, the most important question is, are
1: you a nappy changer? So I didn't change the nappy for the first month, I reckon, because I was a little bit taken back by the whole thing. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's actually very easy. And it's not that bad at all. So you know, after the first month, it was, yeah, it was, it was easy. Fair I was test. a little bit yeah, I was skeptical. I was there, skeptical at the start, but um, I come round. around.
2: You're skeptical of the whole pro- nappy changing process or? It's
1: well, just, like... just of the whole, just, you know, just the mess and, you know, what yep. you got to do and everything. It was like, you know, I'm flat out just looking after myself, let alone a little baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, two weeks ago at Mount Panorama, uh, we were there for the Bath of Six Hour for seven, which was great fun. Um did did yeah, you ever conceive yeah. speaking about changes, did you ever conceive that you'd be barreling into the chase at two hundred and fifteen Ks an hour in a Hyundai road car let's be honest, it was a road car <laughs> with um three yeah. television presenters around you making Lego. Was that ever a thing you'd Never. ever conceived happening in your life?
1: <laughs> Never. Ace but that was what that was really cool to do. It was a very good idea. Um, and I think it came across well on camera. It was a lot of fun to yeah. to be part of and I think when you watch it back, it was a lot of fun. Mm. You know, I hope all of you have got a good laugh out of it. It was definitely different. I've never done that before. We had yet, the Hodge, whole television Brad, thing.
2: Sorry? I was just going to say we had Brad Hodge on the show last week and, and he was talking about the ongoing feeling of sickness that started about halfway through that first lap and how he barely kept it together over the uh, over the journey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, Hodge, he was, um, he was animated at the start and then about, half a lap in, he started to go quiet and then the last lap he didn't talk at all. <laughs> and then he was sick for two days after that, the yeah. poor fella. So God you know, didn't yeah, I did him an injustice. Uh-oh. Yeah, the whole television thing is a bit different. Like I I have huge amount of respect for anyone like you guys, especially yourself, Richard, who can do that commentary stuff for the entire day and still have stuff to talk about and still you know, have energy at the end of the day and you know, anyone that's involved in T V or on camera it's just Given me a whole new perspective of it, which is, you know, probably something that every everyone in the sport probably needs to have a go at at one stage, just, just to understand it. So um, yeah, I'm enjoying the challenge, and um, there's a lot of things I can work on. But um, it's, you know, it's uh, definitely something I'm enjoying.
3: May we uh, throw some? We threw out the question to our listeners to give us some questions for the show. We're going to discuss a few of them a little bit later on. But one that came through that I thought I would throw up now and you might have more of an idea to answer this than Richard and I might have and it's from Scott Templeton and he says I'd like to know the situation with Rick Kelly fair enough he retired after 19 years of driving but no longer involved with the team he co-founded and built not even co-driving what's to go with that says Scott do you know much more about that is is Rick still an active member of the team as such or is he just really enjoying a bit of retirement at the moment
1: Um, I don't. To be honest, I don't really know. Like, I I speak to Rick occasionally. Um, so he still comes and does the test days and the ride days and stuff and helps out that way. Um, still gives his feedback on the car and whatnot. But, um, I think after being that that long in the sport, like, I think you do need some sort of a break to really understand what you've been through and and um, you know, what what's your next what's your next step in your life, I suppose, because but, it's, you know, you'll you'll have to talk to him to really understand the full story. I'll yeah. just be making stuff up for him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd appreciate that. I, I,
1: on, on a, like, sim- I, I, I wish I wish he was... Um, obviously, they, they announced El Bamber in the other car as a co-driver, mm-hmm. and I, I really wish Rick was you know, still um, an active driver because he's a, he's a good guy, good driver, and, you know, he's fun to have around.
2: Mm. Yeah, and that El Bamber gets a good one. Well, And, and on that note of... of- ownership of the team not long after you were locked in there um it was announced that Stephen grove has has come on board so it's now kelly grove racing have have you noticed any changes or admittedly you haven't been there much longer than they have but any influence or impact that that steven and and his family have brought in a they're a great group of people and and proper racing people which is great but have have you just noticed anything with with steven's involvement so far
1: um, well, it's hard for me to comment on what it was before because I really wasn't there. But yeah, like they kept it very quiet because, you know, I signed my deal at the start of the year and then a few days or maybe a week later or something, there was mm-hmm. an announcement that, yeah, um, Stephen bought into the team. I had absolutely no idea about it, to be honest. Really? Absolutely no idea. Yeah, I actually, it was, was caught me by surprise. So I was a little bit stunned about it. Um, But you know his involvement with the team. He every time you talk to him, it's just it's just like how can you win? How what do you need to win? And as a racing driver or anyone in the team, that's all you want to hear. It's what can we do to win? What Mm -hmm. what do you need? Investment wise, what people do you need? What do you need? Like it's it's very very it's the best you know few words you could ever talk to anyone in a competitive sport that wants to win races is what do you need to win and what do you yeah that's all you need what what can we do to win what can what what input can we give to make you win that's all you need
2: yeah it's genuinely dave one of the the most interesting stories for mine in supercars this year Mm. is what impact they have because yes they've been successful in business but Stephen and brenton are both very successful racing car drivers in their own right at their level in GT. like they've won five bathurst 12 hours in their class so they get what it takes from a driving point of view, so I'm I'm really excited to see how that sort of plays into the ownership side with you guys and and what they can bring to that team.
1: Yes, I'm very much looking forward to the future of this team, especially with those uh, with those two involved.
3: I was going to say, if you get the chance, mate, ask him about his uh, walk of Monte Carlo or sorry, Monaco when yeah. he went over there to drive a Porsche and uh, what he did at turn one, if you get the chance. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll ask him. I know, I know <laughs> that story. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's a good story. Yeah, uh, it mate. just finally, before we let you go, uh, well publicised and it was there for the public to see your time at Erebus, especially in the last year or two. What you probably can comment is the difference in atmosphere between what Erebus was in the time you were there and Kelly Grove Racing. Is it a totally different
1: place? Um, yeah. Is it a totally different place? It's very hard for me to say. Um, but, you know, I, I love the positivity of Kelly Grove Racing, the people involved, very relaxed, um, you know, very goal-orientated people, um, very professional and um, but they, you know, still still know how to have fun and and go racing on the weekends, which is perfect. That's that's all I want. I still want that team environment that can band together. Um, the mates that go racing on the weekend that can win races, and that's what we're trying to build in our cars and in our team as well. So,
0: you
1: know, it's, it's going to be a great journey for the next few years. Come, I'm looking forward to it.
2: Uh, can anyone beat SVG this weekend, mate?
1: Yeah, like, you know, can anyone beat Shane? You know, Shane's obviously in a bit of a purple patch in his life, driving-wise. Um, I believe they have some sort of engine upgrade for that, which is kind of funny itself, but, you know, <laughs> the bloke who wins the races, wins all the races, gets more power, which doesn't make sense. Um, but, you know, the the when you look back on the history of Tasmania, it's always been a, a heavily, you know, triple-eight dominated track or Holden dominated track. So... And you know, they're going to be very, very difficult to beat, especially with everything that's gone on in the last week or so. So, yeah, it's going to be – we've definitely got our work cut out. But you know, it's always possible. Like It's its always possible.
3: you know. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed it can happen. Mate, uh, we know you just got home from work, and I know that you've got a, a partner and baby that want to give you a big cuddle and a kiss. So we'll let you go do that, buddy. Thank you so much for your time today and uh, all the thanks best of the weekend, me, mate.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you. Good, Good on thanks, you, Dave. Dave.
3: Dave Reynolds joining us here. Happy
0: with News.
3: that. All right, Krause, joining us as he always does for the final part of the podcast. We say good day to Mark Walker from the racetalk.com. Hello, Mark.
4: Uh, very good day to you, Shebex Krause. We got to go racing again this weekend. How exciting is that?
3: It sort of seems like we've gone racing every weekend. We get to go supercar racing this weekend.
2: Well, it's supposed to be last weekend, but it obviously was. COVID happened, so uh thanks to Brisbane. But uh looking forward to it. Classic little racetrack, the old Simmons Plains Grand Prix Circuit. So it should be good fun. Yeah,
3: um, can I just say that I spent four days in Hobart last week with my lovely wife?
2: How was that, by the way? Because well, that was we, fantastic we missed except, you on the show.
3: Except I would not have known that there was anything happening in Launceston or in Simmons Plains this week. There is absolutely no communication between the north and the south of Tasmania, even no, though there's not. only a two-hour drive.
0: Mm.
4: Yeah, Uh they need to bring in some old PR hacks like myself because that was the this place of my best ever PR effort when I had the front and the back page of the Examiner with the exact same <laughs> the photo. Same photo. <laughs> <laughs> I can
0: tell you what
3: the I can tell you what the front and the back page of the Examiner has been, and it's all about the uh, the poker machines at the casinos at Launceston and Hobart, which have been hacked, mm. cyber hacked, and they're, they're out. They're not up they're down and have been for a week and not expected Jeez. to be up for another month or two. What
2: What will the 32 people down there do? Exactly. <laughs> no, we like, we like Tassie uh, fortunate enough to have been down there in January for the um, race Tasmania event with ARG. So lovely place. Simmons is a great little racetrack and uh, always produces some fairly exciting supercars action. And with the, the formats that we're running now, I'm really interested to see how they play out and another old school track like we had at, uh, sand down a couple of weeks ago, a track where the aero doesn't play a role, should be you know, it's all point and squirt stuff there so should be some pretty feisty motor racing I would have thought.
3: Can't wait to see how the uh, the jumpy trucks handle the hairpin.
2: I'd say it doesn't matter they'll just go straight over the
4: top of whatever's in the way, I mean there's a <laughs> bit of Armco there they could flatten, I, I don't see that as too big a hurdle for those guys, not a lot of catch fence there, they're worried about those things spitting off parts into the crowd and they're running them in a track that doesn't have any catchments, so good luck to them.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh look, Tasmanians will get a show, that's for sure. One way or another. Up close and personal. No, it's gonna be good. Looking forward to it. Um I yeah, it, it's Are a we a cool little event. bit disappointed that there's only two support categories to supercars? Oh, yeah. Look, Tassie's always had a pretty average support program, hasn't it? And the fact that uh, the fact that there was an entirely different standalone event at the start of the year probably didn't help the cause. Cause maybe you could have lured an S 5,000 or a TCR down there, but for this event, but um, that's just the way it's gone. And a little bit of complications with the COVID dramas in Brisbane that, that forced the postponement of this event um, a week later means that it clashes now with the start of target Tasmania, which is Tasmania's largest motor racing event by margin and, um, so, unfortunately, one of the support categories, which was the Tassie tin Tops, which we've seen roll out uh, a couple of times in the past, and Mark Walker's actually had an involvement in that in the past as well, which was nice. Um, some of the cars that were due to run in that are competing in Target Tass, and they're always going to take Target Tassie over uh, some sprint races at Simmons Plain. So, um, they're down one support category, which is a shame, but um, hopefully the fact that it's a nice little condensed uh, two-day race meeting will help the cause as well. The good
3: news is, is, though, that uh, it's been announced by Supercars that uh, the entries in Target Tasmania will actually do a lap of Simmons Plains as part of the entertainment on Sunday before they head out
2: for their race. So that's good. Yeah, good, good crossover concept, I suppose, because Target Tasmania is one of the world's great tarmac rallies. So it makes sense that they should cross over with the other major Tassie motorsport event. You just gave me some uh, post-traumatic stress disorder
4: there with the flashback to the time I was a category manager.
2: Yes, correct. You working for a person who's been on this show in television celebrity, Greg um, Glenn Ridge. Glenn Ridge. Absolutely. That was, uh, time. that was good times. We- Funny category because there was
4: just such a huge disparity between fast cars and slow cars, and watching them zip down
2: the back straight was
4: absolutely terrifying.
2: Yeah, it was it was the speed differentials you saw at the six hour the other week, but in a oh. sixty second lap, <laughs> like that's it's funny. The old um doing laps around your clothes dryer, as uh, Dick Johnson once said. No, it's um it's a cool category those mixes, but a uh, shame they won't be running this weekend. Anyway, be good. We we um Mark and I, I say we the Royal We called a um. This the most insane Formula Ford racing at Simmons Plains back in the day. What what was it? Twelve? Twenty twelve? Twenty twelve. Australian Formula Ford Championship? Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Three wide across the line at one point. Almost four. What? Bump drafting. Just absolutely mental racing.
4: Simon Hodge going absolutely face first into the pit wall. And... Yes, he did. Yep. The, the track went red flag for a second and then went unred flag which i don't think is a thing that normally happens mm. but uh, that was exciting yeah and that, that car actually snapped in half behind the driver it was a front on impact Ugh.
2: and the gearbox snapped on it yeah it was uh, it was not great it was that was a tko <laughs> that car she uh, she never raced again
3: <laughs> actually Simmons plains is one of my uh, most memorable flip overs jason ackermanus in a mini oh yes uh, yep. on the on the outlap
2: yeah, so it he was. didn't even get to the start line. Yeah, the Brisbane Lions superstar, known for his race car driving ability. Yeah, um, and, the, handstands. and handstands and yeah. handstands. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Jamie wink shunting while celebrating. That was amusing. Just uh, just yes, nerfed the thing right. into the uh, into the hedge down at the hairpin. That was good fun. The thing that scares me about this track is qualifying. When they
4: line up, we've seen dramas. it Would have been probably ten or twelve years ago when Jamie Winkup had a almost had a massive banana there with the queue lined up to get some gaps coming into that final turn, Mm. and then the cars on their flyers already. I always shudder when that happens because there's just an epic closing speed there. And uh, as we saw back in, I think it was two thousand eight, it was almost a huge drama there. So hopefully they have uh, thrown in some uh,
3: they have thrown in some measures to prevent that though, haven't they? In the last couple of years.
2: Well, they've got the multi-group qualifying this weekend as well, so they they split the field into Group A and Group B, which will um, which will help things. They so how that works if it rains between the different groups or not? I'm not sure, but um, yeah, that that was brought in the knockout thing as well was brought in to um, to try and stop that drama, like at uh, the Barberello issue as well as the other track on the schedule yeah. where it always causes dramas. But yeah, it'll be interesting. But then again, you know, deal with it. One of those things, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> says says the guy sitting in his armchair, nice and comfortable and not driving at 260 k's an hour. <laughs> but anyway, that's what we're here for, right?
3: Uh, there've been a couple of teams that have been fairly prominent, haven't they, in the results at Simmons Planes in the last few years. I, I talk more so of Triple uh, Eight and yeah, DJR. It's a Triple Eight. Triple Eight track, isn't it?
2: Yeah.
4: yeah, yeah. yeah. It's tri- the, triple Eight and Scott McLaughlin Racing.
2: Yeah. yeah, correct. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what odds that the streak continues? Like for Shane, there's every conceivable outcome that he will win another three races this weekend based on T8's form and his own form at Simmons Plains Raceway. I, I would I would love to see a uh, Team 18 strong performance because they've gone well there. Remember Mark hmm. Winterbottom's poll a couple of years ago was an outstanding result. That'd be nice to see them deliver on some of the real potential they've been showing so far this season. And, and I think it's time for WAU to deliver on their potential as well with where Chaz has been at in that car and, and st- finally string together a really solid race win. It, it's got to happen soon. They, they're knocking on the door, aren't they? So this will be another test for that team to see if their continued progress is is legit or whether they're just stumbling onto it at each round.
4: And the same with Tickford with mm. orders I mean, he's in the exact same boat. They've strung together two decent rounds, but can they keep showing on all the different types of tracks? Yeah. And, uh, this one's going to be a good test for them.
2: Gee, that Bathurst DNF kills them, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in, a, in a championship this intense, when one driver at the moment, I don't know we're only five races in, has gone so hard so early. It just exposes how valuable getting points in every race is. Because losing that potential 150 points or 140 or whatever it might have been, I mean, that's just, that's an enormous blow for, for that car that early in the season. So, yeah, they've, they've got to deliver 100%.
3: Yeah, they do. Uh, Our, the run home social manager put out a question on social media today, uh, asking some of our listeners and our, uh, our, did I say the run home? The race show. What show are you talking about, Shalex? Um,
2: Are you are you oh, moonlighting to, on another podcast we got, don't know just about? Just got
3: back or? to SEM days, like yeah, four, like, four it's years been ago. Four
2: years since your professional radio career ended. So oh, what's with that? The Race
3: Talk uh, social media manager. What account? Without a that? question, on the Race Talk socials.
2: Was just uh, checking. Was it the Race Talk? Yeah, it was the Race okay, Talk. Okay,
3: good. Uh, you can find it at the dot dot Are you sure? Uh, What did you do in Tassie last week? (laughs) I can't tell you. I seriously can't. (laughs) Right. Uh, We did get some uh, questions from our listeners. And and one of those, Tom Archuling from uh, Dorich asked the question, who will be the first person to beat SVG this weekend?
2: Well, hello to Tom from Dorich. Big fan of the show we know. Uh, And thanks for tuning in as always. Uh, I don't think anyone will be the first person to beat SVG this weekend. I think Uh, he's going to win another three.
4: I've put some thought into this serious thought. Um, Providing he's not sitting in seat A2 on the plane. I think someone might beat him off the plane. That's okay. That could be it. He, He might get be sitting in A1 and still do a mad dash straight across to the door. Yeah. But I think that's the opportunity for everyone on Virgin Flight, whatever it is, to Launceston to mm. get one over SVG this weekend.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay. I, actually, I actually think he's got issues because his shoulder's okay now. So I don't think he'll be as good as what he was with a bad shoulder.
2: Are we talking about Shane or Tom? No shame. Because I thought Tom's shoulder was fine. Uh, yeah, well no, I I don't think it matters, Chevex honestly. No, it probably does. It's doesn't. not gonna make a difference. He's a force of nature. Uh, no, I, I think he I think the streak continues. I really do. Absolutely. Um, Tom, he did ask a second part to that question though, didn't he? Shebex? he did. And yeah.
3: it is a it is a very, very good question, actually. And I'd like to get your thoughts. So how are you planning your viewing weekend with supercars? Australian superbikes, MotoGP, F1, Indy cars, all on the one weekend.
2: Yeah, well, well it's hashtag big, got it? a bit on. Hashtag got a bit on. Um, it's big. So supercars for me, yes, we'll definitely be watching that. Uh, ASBK, I'll, I'll probably park that. But I know, uh, I know, Dale we...
3: would have if he was, if he wasn't in Tassie.
2: No, Dale, Roger's friend of the show, is a massive superbike fan, loves yeah. Australian superbike racing. So uh, I'm sure he'll have that recording on their live yeah. uh, Fox coverage. So um, we appreciate that for sure. Tom brings superbikes up because Doric is involved in sponsorship with uh, several superbike entities. Mm-hmm. So, yes, with um, the,
4: the Desmo Sport Ducati team. Yeah, with correct. Ollie Bayless
2: and Mike Jones. Nicely done. So uh, we, we understand why he'll be watching that too. MotoGP, I'll. Depending on what time the race is, I'll probably watch on Sunday evening. We'll watch the Grand Prix because last year's San Marino race was pretty good. not getting up for the IndyCar race because that's a bit silly, but I will definitely be recording that in some form.
3: Well, you don't need to record it. You just go straight into KO and just click it Well, as a replay.
2: Or you can just record it, Chebecs, whatever. Uh, And I'll be watching that because I'm interested in Scotty McLaughlin's first full-time IndyCar race. That's a huge, huge moment for his career and and those of us that have been around since uh, he burst onto the scene in the early 2010s, um, we're all desperately keen to see how well he goes and really looking forward to that in uh, good old Alabama at Barber Motorsport Park. It's going to be really cool to see how he goes. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a massive weekend. It's cool. Huge. Very cool. uh a peek behind the curtain here
4: the race talks painted at uh power rankings it's a team effort and i can mm. only speak for the effort that i uh put into that and there's 48 hours in the weekend so i assume that i'm going to have to spend about 43 of those compiling bits and pieces for the power Yeah,
2: rankings. i suspect there's going to be a lot of content flowing from the uh from the socials at the race talk hot not or what let us know your thoughts we'll uh We'll include it all. It'll be yeah. post-supercars focus, but we'll certainly throw in some some grand pricks and uh, we'll put Scott McLaughlin in hot, I'm sure, from uh, well, from IndyCars as well.
4: Well, what about Monday Ratings Watch? I mean, where yeah. is the F1 going to be at a reasonable time slot? But, Substantial, I
2: would have thought. It I'm, could be uh, a very good day for Fox Sports hmm. 506, I would have Big thought. day. Uh, hmm.
4: Other than that, this. The categories these days have such good social media that normally you can tune in the next morning and you'll get a 5, 6, 10, 12 minute highlights package of mm. whatever series anywhere in the world. I remember back in the day when speed was a thing, I would record everything and watch everything that was on speed. I just don't have the time these days in my life. I don't know what happened to my life, but it's gone wrong and I just don't have the time to devote to watch everything like that. So I normally just take bite-sized choose of everything.
2: We don't have a podcast long enough to devote to where your life went wrong, Mark. No, but no, You it's can true. come back to that if you like in a separate edition. Thank another you.
3: Uh, another question that was showing up on the socials and it's from no username. And I don't know how you get that on social media because everyone's got a username. But anyway, mm. uh, no username for this one. Predict how Scotty McLaughlin will go this weekend in the IndyCars.
2: Uh, qualifying will battle, I think. Top 15, probably. But I, I reckon somewhere in the top 10. Uh, bottom end top of the 10? top 10, I think, at the end of the race, yeah. 14th. Yep. Okay. I've
4: got no, yeah. no intelligence on that at all.
2: How's Jimmy Johnson going to go? Well, yeah, I, I think McLaughlin will beat Johnson for sure. For okay. So. It, it's going to take a while for, for Jimmy Johnson to get up to speed, I think. But um, yeah, I, I I've got, Perhaps I've got too much faith. I don't know. But uh, it's still a massive learning curve for Scott. But in all the testing and all the prep that he's done, he's been extremely competitive and, and not far off the, the Penske boys. And you know that the Penske boys are going to be there and Will Power's is probably going to be on pole position. So, um, And Scott Dixon will probably win the race because that's how IndyCar racing goes these days. But yeah, um, yeah I, I'm pretty confident he'll be somewhere towards the 10.
3: Uh, at Jotto Beekhoff has asked the question, gentlemen. Thoughts on Super 3? The switch to 18-inch Dunlops was inevitable given grid numbers, but it's given the privateer cars, like ours, more expense and doesn't make the cars, period, correct anymore. Uh, genuine privateers with not many bucks don't have many options to go supercar racing now. Thoughts on that?
4: Well, it's a bit of a necessary evil, isn't it? Um <laughs> in combining the fields and putting everyone on the same tire, they couldn't just make an old school tire for the super three cars out there. It just wouldn't work. Didn't make sense. It probably, I don't want to say the privateers get stuffed. It's a hard, it's a hard situation. You want everyone to race, but at the same time, things have got to move forward. It just wouldn't work making special tires for those guys. There's places that, five litre touring cars can run where you can keep them completely period correct they had a big run down the phillip island historics recently so you can go and run them in sports games. you can go and do all sorts of things if you don't want to change your car but um the, the rules are if you want to play with the big boys in the super two three combined league you got to do what they say
3: so there was a time richard where the super threes were on the kumo is that still the same
2: well, no, because now they're, oh, they're running. They've the gone dunlops. the Dunlops, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah, which was which was part of them sharing the grid with with Super Two. Yeah, okay. This year, which which was a necessity for both categories. It, it had to happen that they be on the same grid. I think for the health of both classes, Super Two struggles have been well documented numbers wise, and certainly uh, Super Three, I think, needed to be on that same grid just from a logistics point of view and. Um, Dunlop was willing to extend their support to super three as well and, and step up to, to back that category alongside super two. Uh, and and there was some pressure, I think from team land as well, from, from organizations running cars in both categories that it made sense for them to all be on the same grid. So look, there's winners and losers in everything like this. And I do feel for the privateer guys like Jono and Shane and his family that have been so good for so long, but um yeah period correctness is the least of the things to worry about unfortunately in that category at the moment so it it might be a short-term thing you never know they may both categories may be strong enough to stand on their own and and in the future um super three could go back to being a standalone thing with their own grids and and who knows a, a privateer class for cars running 17 inch wheels as well but um yeah it's just the reality of the world at the moment unfortunately
3: yeah, the, uh, the current spec supercars, will they become Super 2 cars next year when Gen well, 3
2: comes in? that's a million-dollar question, isn't it? I don't know if they know, and certainly we don't know.
3: Yeah. It's
2: pro- probably the last thing they're going to worry
4: about. And, and then the question's going to be, is Super 2 going to be quicker than the main game, which yeah. is something that's well, not well, going to sit possible, very well. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, correct. I mean, Super 3 cars could be as fast as main game cars if, if the performance levels differ as much as some people think they will when Gen 3 rolls in. So, yeah, I it's a big question, isn't it? Do they just roll straight into the new car in super two, but that defeats the purpose. And all of a sudden there'll be 20 odd um, super main game cars lying around, not being able to be sold down to teams. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty delicate situation. I think Roland Daines found the perfect scenario, which is just don't offload your cars to super two, sell them to rich collectors, which is easy when all your cars have got race winning provenance, I suppose. So (laughs) if you're Matt stone racing, it's probably not quite so easy, but anyway, Uh,
3: uh, Shazam 2906 has asked the question, why hasn't at Supercars updated the Super 2 Series points and included any results from 2020 or 21 on its website? These guys spend that dollars, 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 and deserve to have this kind of information available.
2: Hmm. Good point. Uh, I'm just, uh, as we speak right now, having a look at that website and the Series Points are correct pre-Jordan boys disqualification so for 2021 so they haven't updated it since uh, boys was rubbed out with an engine irregularity was that Uh, two weeks
3: ago was it
2: three weeks ago no 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 that was that was last week um yes okay and results are current as of bathurst from last year so yeah they they haven't got round one results up that's fair probably should be a bit speedier on that um, but the points do seem like they've been updated without having been changed since uh, since the results changed a week ago from that. So, um, fair comment, though. Uh, these are the little one percenters that you do need to get right. So, uh, a speedy updating of results and points for people that look for them uh, is always welcome.
3: Good news is, though, there's a lovely photo of Jess Dane as a six-year-old.
2: What? Huh? On the website. Huh? they have you need a bit of
3: context okay. there Shivex I think because that sounds oh, real dodgy. <laughs> it does. Uh so yeah, let me put that into context. There is a uh, a story on the Supercars website which uh has Triple Eight bosch shares a sweet photo of a young Jess Dane. So a photo was uh shared by Roland Dane of a uh, a young Jess Dane. Okay, cool. That's it. Yeah. So-
4: They've taken a bit of a turn there at supercars.com. They're undergoing a bit of a digital transformation, which includes things like pinching the power rankings. So <laughs> not really on our Christmas card list at the moment, but they're aiming their site at a different audience. And I don't think that audience is me. I mean, I'm already sold on supercars. I don't need to climb on board, but they're aiming what they're doing at a different audience to try and attract some new people in who aren't already on board. Like you, me, people, everyone listening to this. So
3: good luck, Tom. Hmm. Yep. Uh, next, question. I, I just
2: shrugged. By the way, this, <laughs> this audio medium—I just shrugged. <laughs> That's all I've got. Uh,
3: will we ever see a timed endurance race for the supercars? Example of three hour. Is there a market for it? Considering races are effectively to time limits anyway, seems to be an easy one, logistic wise. That's from uh, Sidewig 2
4: I don't have a problem with this at all. I was going to do an op-ed on it but I don't think there's enough meat on it to warrant doing so why not everything is time certain outside of Bathurst so I don't see a problem with doing that and it's not like there's any sacred races anymore there's no Adelaide 500 there's no Sandown 500 there's none of these traditional length races like the Bathurst 1000 Mm. let's just run time certain the events are called super sprints that's got no Uh, relation to anything that happens on the weekends. This weekend, we've got three one-hour races in a super sprint. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Just have three one-hour races. Then you're going to lose that whole argument for time-certain races. The other problem is, too, that most of the races these days are on Fox Sports who have got no commitments afterwards. So why do we have time-certain again? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Either either go time-certain and just run everything time-certain. Everyone's just used to that. You know, you look at IMSA in the States they're all time-certain races. You have the yeah. two hours, the three hours, the six hours, whatever it is, it's time-certain race and you, you know what you're in for.
2: I think that's a valid point. Absolutely. And it would just remove the angst that a time-certain race causes to people. So you get an hour window, you go racing for an hour. Um, if it's if all under the
4: safety car, it's tough, whatever. That's,
2: that's the way racing goes sometimes. But yeah, if you get 10 laps in that, great. If you get 50, fantastic. Mm. But that's just the way it goes. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a really solid concept so extending on what this commenter has has brought up it's not so much about having the supercar three hour it's just making all of the races a defined time period so your your pre-bathurst warm-up back in the day when we had pre-bathurst warm-ups was always about three hour motor race so rather than call it the Sandown 500 you'd have the tail and bend three hour or whatever it is yeah But,
4: but whatever you could call it the gold coast the surface paradise grand prix Yeah, Or whatever, you come up with a special name for these events that uh, don't necessarily, you know, the longer distance ones, the feature events in Townsville, Gold Mm. Coast and Newcastle. You call them something special and sell some more tickets that way.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think that's
4: a good
3: idea. Yeah, and uh, our final question from Beer enthusiasts: When are beers on TRT coming back?
2: Well, I can't tell you right now, but within the next seven days, there will be an announcement that is linked to the race talk uh, via one of our partners um, that will see beers on TRT making a return Um, because basically we will have a supply of beer. What? Uh, What? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is a thing. This is, this is one of the great news stories of 2021. Uh, So watch this space is all I can tell you. If you're unfamiliar with the concept in 2019, we launched, beers on TRT on the Gold Coast and one person turned up. Uh, We followed that up at the Adelaide 500, start of 2020, and multiple people turned up and the credit card got a pounding, which was fantastic. We love that. People just came to have a beer with the TRT crew. Um, So that was sensational. Uh, And we wanted to carry that on, but COVID. Um, But we have been plotting and there is a plan. uh, And I'm, I'm confident enough to say that there will be a beers on the race talk at some point in the near future, watch this space. Okay, or listen to this space because it's a podcast, obviously. Wow. Okay. That, that this is this seriously fantastic news. That's just that is cool. great news.
3: Yeah, that is, a, that's yeah. probably anyway, the news that we should finish on. It should be nice. I think. Nice on to finish on a high.
2: high. Yeah, absolutely.
3: <laughs> uh, Mark, enjoy your week. Uh,
4: thank you, Shebeki. Uh, I just wish everyone who's not Shane van Gisbergen all the best for a win this
2: weekend. That would be
3: most delightful. <laughs> Richard, thank you for uh, your work again today.
2: No, no pleasure. Uh, I'm going to go get the couch groove warmed up for the weekend. A big weekend of motorsport. Uh, I'll be watching from the couch. Keyboard open, ready to bash out some power rankings. Uh, looking forward to that. And a big weekend from Simmons Plains Andy Imola and... The Indy cars as well. We're really looking forward to that. So yeah, it's a cool one. And we thank you for joining us as
3: well, right here on the grid. Of course, powered by the Race Talk. It's our run home. We're heading there right now. Talk to you soon. See ya. This program is a radio show limited production.
4: Tell your friends there's more at Radiolamont.com.